minimalists. <laughs> well, hey there. You guys excited to see the minimalists tonight? Yeah. Me too. There's always a little bit of me that wants to be like, welcome to a Canyon City show. Now, we, uh, we're on the Simply Southern tour, and this is our last stop. And uh, I've had the, uh, the good fortune and joy of getting to, to do this tour of these guys. So I uh, really can't wait to bring it home here in Nashville and uh, looking forward to it. So I'm going to play a few tunes to start this off. This is a song of mine called Shadows. Heard it never rains in California Every day just fades in yellow sunsets Maybe I should break away and drive up Cause it's been 28 years In the storm It took a little time for me to wake up Had to find my way out of a bad dream When the morning light came through the snow Like dust into my bloodstream I couldn't see it, I see a child I could hear someone say child From the shadows, you're almost through the night. Hold out. You walked through miles of darkness. You stared all of your demons down. And it's time. It's time to feel the light They say a happy ending's where you leave off There's always gonna be another battle to fight If you let the story go along enough All the heroes I'm a blank page I'm ready to write Hold high Your head up from the shadows You're almost through the night Hold out You walk through miles of darkness Stared all of your demons down It's time to feel the light now It's time to feel the light It's time to feel the light 
the shadows You're almost through the night Hold out You walk through miles of darkness You stare all of your It's time to feel the light now It's time to feel the light Thank you all so much So, uh, so my name is Paul, and I make music under the name Canyon City, and I am uh, so, so looking forward to the conversation tonight. How are you guys feeling about it? We have some great stuff coming up we're going to talk about. Uh, well, I don't want to, you know, ruin it for you guys. I'll let the minimalists do their thing. But uh, for me, so this is the last uh, stop of the tour, and uh, for me, this is a hometown show. Uh, so I feel a little bit like the teacher on the field trip. Uh, it's like, I want you all on your best behavior now. Like, you represent the whole school. But, uh, but anyways, uh, so I'm super excited. I won't stand in the way this night. Uh, but first, here's one that you may recognize if you're a fan of The Minimalist, and I know you are. Anybody know where this is going? Every little thing you think that you need oh, Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have All that you reach for and all that you grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Won't you? So tear your eyes away Oh, tear your eyes Every little thing that sparkles and shines Every little thing that sparkles and shines Is driving you sweetly out of your mind But I bet that you'd be fine without it So tell your eyes away Oh, tell your eyes
Every little thing that you're lusting for. Minimalist, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, Canyon City. They, uh, their footsteps are so perfectly minimalist that I didn't even hear them coming. Uh, you know, it's funny. I always tell Paul, I'm like, dude, I want to be you when I grow up. Like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> so awesome hardly, having you, man. Hardly. Thanks for being here, man. Well, we're back in Nashville. We, it feels like yesterday we were actually here in these seats, and uh, and now we're, it was actually the beginning of of like a really difficult period in in my life. Um, that that night I started to get really ill. I actually my my uh, five year old daughter, well she was four at the time, gave me hand, foot, and mouth disease, which I thought was something from the 1800s. But uh, apparently, adults can get it too. And I, uh, we, we left here. I was totally fine in Nashville. Then we flew over to uh, Washington, D.C., and I couldn't leave my hotel room. And I swear to you, the next three months were three of the most difficult months of, of my life. Like, it was ups and downs with health. And uh, for those of you who follow our podcast probably know, I've, I've been dealing with a whole lot the last two, two and a half years with health. But I'm happy to say, especially this month, I feel better than I have in my entire adult life. Well, thank you. And, uh, and so I'm grateful to be back here. That last event sold out really quickly. And then you all sold this out again tonight, which is really great because 100% of the money that Ryan and I would have made from this, we're just going to donate to this charity. We're trying to help build a, a thank you. We're, we're trying to build, help build a, a grocery store in one of the largest food deserts in the country. Uh, our hometown is Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, thanks. And people there just don't have access to, well, to, to real food. They have access to like Doritos at the local liquor store or whatever. But, but real food, just, you know, it's the second hungriest city for, for families with children in the entire country. And we want to help change that. So you all made a difference with that. But what do you say we record a podcast tonight? <laughs> Beautiful. Well, let's do it. Live from the City Winery Theater, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists, live in Nashville, Tennessee. Man, Birmingham and Louisville is going to be so jealous when they hear that. <laughs> I love it. So uh, we have a very special guest with us tonight. We might as well go ahead and dive right into it because we're here for you all. Before we jump into it, we got a couple microphones set up somewhere around here. Can someone maybe point me to where they are? I know there's, oh, there's one here and there's one here. This one is the money microphone. This one is the minimalism microphone. Let's talk about this for a second. This microphone, if you have questions about money, so debt, finances, car payments, retirement, investing, index funds, whatever. Uh, this guest tonight is really going to help us out with a lot of that. 
And if you have questions about minimalism, so letting go or simplifying or simple living or just random questions for any of the three people on the stage, that's this microphone over here. We'll get to as many questions as we can tonight because we're really here for you all. So let's welcome our guest out to the stage. You may know her as the author of Love Your Life, Not Theirs. She's also, well, she has a new show. It's called The Rachel Cruz Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Rachel Cruz. Yeah. We actually found a person who is from Nashville. I know. That's what I was telling him backstage. I was like, when you meet people in Nashville, they're from all over, but I'm a local. It's good. Yes, indeed. So, so we're happy to be here back, back in Tennessee. And uh, one of the, the things that we often talk about with folks is it, we get a lot of questions about money. And it's nice to have you. And we, we just did a few stops. And uh, we did one in Birmingham, one in Louisville with uh, Anthony O'Neill and, and Chris Hogan, who are on the same team as you are. And... Uh, we get a lot of questions about money, and Ryan and I can only pontificate for so long about money until we run out of ideas, but it's nice to have some, some experts. But you also talk a lot about comparison and sort of the trap of comparison, and I think money is really entangled with that. And, and we're, I think one thing that minimalism allows us to do is sort of simplify so we can remove that, that idea that we need to compare ourselves. What are some of the, the struggles you see people deal with now with, with respect to money and comparing themselves to other people? Well, I think comparison has been around forever, but you go back you know, two generations ago and it was keeping up with the Joneses was the right. comparison, right? And you actually had to see the Joneses in person right? About 20, 30 years ago. So it was the, the neighbors, you know, you actually had to see them. But now because of social media, we carry them around in our back pockets on our phones. And it's this window, it's this picture into everyone's life. And we all know this, and we're all probably guilty of it, is that the social media you is the best looking, coolest, funniest, best you out there, right? Because no one puts a bad picture of themselves or something boring that's going on, right? It's always the highlight reel of their life. And so as a consumer, when you're looking at what other people are doing, you easily can go into this trap of, wow, everyone is living this amazing life. Like everyone is having the best job. They're getting a raise. They're going on vacation for the fourth time this year. You know, they have a new car. They have granite countertops in their kitchen. You know, whatever it is, you're seeing it. And the hard reality that we see from studies and just statistics is what the average American owes on debt via credit cards, car loans, student loans, and what they're making. And so 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. But that is not 70% of your social posts. And so what happens is we tell this lie to ourselves that, well, I should, and I'm speaking your language now, I should expect this standard of living. And if I can't get there with the money I have, I'm going to go into debt for it. So, you know, I always say that comparison doesn't just steal your joy, but it steals your paycheck because you can spend money and money you don't have to keep up a lifestyle that you think everyone else is living and you're the only one missing out. And that's the lie that comparison tells us and a lot because of social media. Yeah, it's, you talk a lot about uh, fake rich and how these comparisons, it makes, it makes us want to pretend that we are rich also, but what a world of hurt it can, it can definitely get us in. So I guess when it comes to, um, what, what have you learned about fake rich? Um, what, what, uh, what tips do you have for folks to um, help them to not want to live that fake rich lifestyle? 
Well, when it comes to comparison or this idea that you have to keep up this lifestyle and, and pretending to be rich, it's, it's a heart issue at the, at the bottom of it. And contentment is something that is so crucial, especially when you, win, when you want to win with money. And it's funny, when I talk to people about money, and whether it's in an interview or I'm doing an event and there's a question, you know, they, they want the tactical aspects of money, which is legitimate. And I can totally answer those questions tonight for sure. But there's a heart issue when it comes to money that a lot of people don't talk about. And it's real. Because when you are content, what comes from that is gratitude. So when you live your life being grateful for what you have and a heart that is filled with gratitude, there is no room for discontentment and comparisons. And so really getting to this point where you have peace really with yourself to say, hey, you know what? I can still strive for goals. I can still strive to get that, that, that next job promotion. I can strive for these things. That, you know, Having a goal is not a bad thing. But to say in the moment, in the present, I'm happy and I'm content with what I have. And so it goes back to that. That's the foundation that has to be laid. Because if, if, if you're not, if you're not content, the, the, the shiny new car isn't going to magically make you, it's not going to give you lasting contentment. You'll get the ephemeral pleasure of the purchase. But that, that it's, it's like having some sort of cocaine high. That doesn't last past the checkout line usually, right? It certainly doesn't last once you get that first statement in the mail and you have to start making these $500 a month payments. Right, right. And so, so we have to, if, if we're not happy with where we are right now, that can be okay. It's a, a signifier that we need to change, but it doesn't mean we need to add more pacifiers to our life. It means we need to change the behavior. And I think we've all been guilty of believing this idea, oh gosh, that thing, it's going to make me happy. And I've said it before, like if I, I remember being in college, I'll never forget this, and I was in J. Crew, and I was like, you know, 19 years old. And I was like, if I could just have that coat, there was a coat and right. And all the expensive stuff in those stores is right when you walk in, of course. Right. So it's like the best stuff is right there. And I remember saying that to a friend, I would seriously just be so happy if I could just get that coat, I'll be good. And you know what? After a few months I saved for it and I bought that coat, but that coat the next winter became something else in my closet, right? That newness is gone and you live like you're a rat in a wheel your whole life if you think stuff is going to fulfill you. Because I promise, it can be fun and you can enjoy stuff, but it will not fill that, that void that you're feeling. You know what I love about what you teach too? It's very similar to Josh and I. So Josh and I as the minimalists, like people who have never heard of us, they assume that like you walk into our homes and we own nothing or like maybe like one chair and one fork and one spoon per you know family member in the house. But, but I'm coming over to Ryan's house. Hey, Ryan, can I borrow the spoon? <laughs> Sorry, I already lent it out. <laughs> So, so Josh and I, we're not against buying stuff. We all need to consume some things. And, and, and you, like Josh and I, you also like to consume some things. You like to spend money. Sure, sure. And, and I love what you talk about in your book, how it's not about you can't have these things. Uh, because some of these things aren't just, you know, it's not a coat from J. Crew. Maybe it's a nice vacation or, or maybe it's a nicer home or whatever it may be. Some of these things are totally possible for us to have. But I love how you say, like, yeah, we can have it all. We just can't have it all at once. Right. And my dad said all the time to us growing up, which I, it stuck with me, he said, it's okay to have some nice stuff. Just don't let your nice stuff have you. <laughs> and your stuff has yes. you. Ooh. That, that was, that was I, pithy. I, that, that was good. good. That was good. Hey, where's <laughs> Jessica? Tweet that, Jessica. <laughs> but really, I mean, and your stuff can have you. It can own you when you go into debt for it. 
because it owns you, it owns your paycheck, and your contentment if, you're, if your identity, if your value is in that thing. So you're exactly right. And part of our message too is, is we want you to get out of debt. And we say around our place to live like no one else. You sacrifice. You have one fork and one spoon, right? Like you sell everything. Like you sacrifice. So you live like no one else. So later you can live and give like no one else. So money is not the bad point of it, but it, it's a magnifying glass and it makes you more of what you already are. Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and so uh, you also wrote a, you co-authored a book, Smart Money, Smart Kids. And I have a five-year-old. What should I be teaching my five-year-old right now about money? And then how do I, how, how do I, because how do I, I made a lot of mistakes in my 20s with money. How do I prevent her from making some of those same mistakes? Well, I'll just say a little word of encouragement to that end point because I think a lot of people, um, and I have two kids of my own, they're still three and one, so they're, they're younger, um, but I look at them and mistakes I've made, you know, whether it's with money or other things, and I'm like, you know, I want them to learn those lessons, but I so don't want them to have to go through that pain, and so I really believe, you know, in my family's story, my parents filed bankruptcy the year I was born, and so I look at that, I'm like, that's the worst of the worst, right? You're at the bottom of the bottom. And I don't believe I have to do that to live out good principles with money. You know, I'm just going to go out and file for bankruptcy. <laughs> That's to, right, just to for fun. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So all that to say, yeah, your, daughter, your kids do not have to make the mistakes that you've made. Uh, I don't believe that. So uh, a five-year-old, I mean, tactically speaking, you don't have to make it complicated. Some people like, you know. I mean, like, I've been showing her what a SEP IRA is, the difference yeah, between that right. and a Roth. I know, I know. Well, and, and Dave Ramsey is my dad. And so people assume growing up with Dave Ramsey as my dad is that we had like mutual fund parties, right? <laughs> like budget camps all the time. And so, yeah, you don't have to do that by any means. So for a five-year-old, I mean, simple. I always tell parents to teach them where money comes from. And money comes from work. And so for us growing up, we were never given an allowance. We were always on commission, so you work, you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. God, I love that. And <laughs> it's good because you meet like 35-year-olds who don't know that, right? I mean, so yeah, it's a good lesson to learn at five. Um, so, so teaching them where money comes from and then doing three things with money and even getting three envelopes. And you mark it give, save, and spend. And once they earn that money, you do it in that order. And whatever percentage you want, you know, I'm not that legalistic, so you can just do whatever percentage that you decide to as parents. But... You give something first, you save something second, and you can spend last. So you're building really all three of those money muscles. And as adults, if you think about it, you know, whether it's investing or whatever you're doing, those are really the three things you can do with money, give, save, and spend. And so starting that early uh, is huge because I meet people who can save and spend like no one else, but they're not givers. They live their life like this. Or you meet people that, that give everything and spend everything and they're broke. <laughs> they like can't afford food, right? And so, yeah, so you balancing out all three of those things. And a five-year-old, they can grasp it. And that's the encouraging thing. They can get it. That is, I love how you all encourage to give. Like that is the number one thing that you always list. Because when, you know, when I think of uh, some of the other programs or uh, things, especially growing up, I feel like in the 90s was like that uh, prime time for the infomercial of, I will make totally, you rich. Yes. Like, Real estate. Right, this, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and no one ever talks about that. And, you know, ultimately, that's what Josh and I, that's what we want to help other people do. I love that. It, it is... Um, I mean, it truly is our, our mission. It's funny, people all the time, they're like, Ryan, where is this minimalist thing going? And, you know, I mean, really, I don't know where it's going, but I'll tell you where I want it to go. No, I, you know, ultimately, we all, we all need uh, some security. 
We, we need to feel uh, uh, some, some safety for ourselves before we feel like we can start giving to other people. Absolutely. And I think minimalism is a, is a nice tool that helps us to get to that place where we, we can feel like we have enough. We can be content. We can be satisfied. And once we have that feeling, then we can start looking outwardly to our friends, family, community, in contribution. So thank you so much for, for sharing that and yeah. making put, and putting that first. Oh, absolutely. Because it's, I mean, it really is the key to, yeah, I mean... And, and I'm, and I'm pretty hardcore on, and so are we, like we talk about when you're doing your budget that the very first line item is giving. And, and I talk to almost eight out of 10 people will say, oh my gosh, that's so great, Rachel. But you know, if I don't do that, I'm not able to pay X and Y, Z because a lot of people are tight with their budget. But I'm like, okay, but you're giving Comcast a hundred bucks a month. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, where are your priorities? And you really have to think about that. It's not always a math issue. It's a heart issue. And I love John D. Rockefeller. His quote is one of my favorites. He said, I never would have been able to tithe, which is give 10%. I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I didn't tithe my first salary, which is a dollar and 50 a week. And people think all the time, if I just had more money, I would give. But I'm telling you, if it does not become a habit in your life, it gets harder the more money you get. It absolutely so does. I, I remember uh, being back in the corporate world at, at sort of the apex of what I earned in the corporate world. I was managing 150 retail stores. I made a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but I was giving functionally nothing. And, and it was because I was outspending everything that I made. I made good money, but spent even better money. So I just didn't have it to give because I, A, I didn't budget accordingly, but, but B, I just felt like I'll get to it one day. If I'm making 200,000 now, I can definitely give someday if I make 400,000. That's with the magic number that you yes. can give. But of course, uh, when I walked away from the corporate world, I made about, uh, well, 90% less. Uh, my first year, I made $23,000. And I, I gave more that year than I did when I made you know, uh, 90% more than that. And it's because I made it a, a priority to do so. And it's still awesome. a priority for us now. Um, and then also to encourage other people to give as well. Because when you compound that giving, uh, I see that you know, you, that's when you can really change communities, when you can change people's lives. Uh, speaking of people's lives, we wanna, we're here for you. So we have a couple microphones here. Let's answer some questions, y'all. We got money and minimalism and miscellaneous right here. Now, so. here's the thing. Someone's going to have to break the ice. And then, oh, yeah, we got a few. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. Because I just thought it was going to be like the minimalist, most minimalist podcast ever. <laughs> Howdy. What's your name? Where are you from? I'll let you go on the money side first. All right, my name is uh, Thomas Gentry. And hey, I'm, Thomas. I'm where from, from here. Yeah. Nashville. Awesome. I may or may not have filmed you guys in L.A. once with Paul. I What's that? You, I may have or may not have filmed you guys in LA once with Canyon City during oh, the podcast. Oh yes, yes, you I thought did. You looked familiar, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a question for Rachel. Beautiful. So, if your salary fluctuates hugely year to year, how do you decide? I mean, do you feel like it's always ten percent, or do you feel like you know if if you're freelance and one year you can make 25000 another year you can make 125000 How do you budget so that you can also save for the times that are slower? Yep, it's a great question. So for your budget, I always recommend people doing a budget every month and before the month even begins. So it, 
does take some planning. So, you know, you say, okay, the next month is here. And so usually it's freelance or I'm on, I mean, most of my stuff is commissioned. So I'm totally in your boat. My, my income month to month fluctuates. And so what you have to do is get in a rhythm to say, okay, here is what I can plan out that I know for sure of what I'm going to make. So you have that number. And then what you're going to do is you're going to list your priorities on your budget. Back to what we were talking about earlier, giving a little, giving something, saving something, and then what we call your four walls. So the things you have to have to survive, food, shelter and utilities, transportation and clothing. And these are not food, you're going out to Cane Prime every night, right? I mean, like this is, yeah, 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 this is realistic food, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you list those first, because those have to be taken care of, so that's your priority. And then beyond that, it's everything else from entertainment to, um, to personal, uh, miscellaneous, whatever it is, is underneath the rest of that. And so as the money comes in, you've already allotted for your four walls, so you put the cash towards that, and then if you have extra, then you can fund the other categories. And if you have a really big month and you're like, oh wow, I don't really need to put these in anything else, then stick it in savings and then it'll roll over and you'll have that nice nest egg for when the times that do come that you're like, okay, I'm, it's the 15th and I still am not getting any work for the next, I'll just pull some from there. And so it takes a lot of intentionality and it's the one myth I always bust for people because everyone's like, well, if I'm on commission or if my income fluctuates, I can't budget. But you can, you just have to be really proactive with it. And it may change and you may get halfway through the, through the month and say, Okay, I thought I was going to be able to spend this, but I'm not. I'm going to have to, you know, put it up or down or whatever. So, yeah. I'll recommend, too, the Ramsey team has put together an amazing app called Every Dollar. And I've been using it for the last couple of months. It is, it is, and the first thing, the first line item on that app is giving. Like, it's, it, like, it just puts it at the forefront of your mind. But, uh, but the budgeting is, is such an amazing tool. It's a powerful tool. It's, it's something that, um, well, I think you talk a little bit about how sometimes you feel like it's limiting but it actually gives you a lot of power because you know exactly where your money is going. Do you have a budget right now? Vaguely. Okay, that's okay. That's okay, man. It's not a problem at all. I mean, I uh, so I was I was on a budget until uh, until I got out of debt, hundred percent, and then I kind of let the budget go by the wayside, and then I moved to L.A. <laughs> so uh, no, it, it, it's it's not that bad, but. A couple months ago, I was like, oh, wow, like, this, is, this is a lot more expensive than Montana. Like, we need to go on a budget again. <laughs> and so Mariah and I have been doing this for the last two months. But it is like the most freeing, rewarding thing. And there's something about it. Um, when you limit yourself to going out to eat, uh, for example, like when you choose those times to go out, when Mariah and I choose a time to go out to eat, like we enjoy that experience so much more because we know we're going to get to do that only a couple times that month. So the budget, man, like that is, it is such a powerful tool. Yeah, and I like that you said too, because a lot of people assume, oh, a budget, they're like, oh, it's so restricting and I can't have any fun. Like I always thought when I heard the word budget, because it's the hardest thing for me financially that I had to like make a habit in my own life. Because it was, I felt like people, you know, would always say like, oh, we're not going out to eat, we're on a budget. Or we can't go shopping, we're on a budget. We can't go on vacation, we're on a budget. And I'm like, and people on budgets are not fun people. Like, if this is life on a budget, like, you're, you're just saying no all the time. But what I realize is it, it, it really is permission to spend. It lets your yes be yes with confidence. So you're never at the grocery store or Trader Joe's or wherever, and you're like, oh, was that too much? Is that okay? It's never a question because you know exactly where your money's going. So you're telling your money where to go, and that's what a budget is. But seriously, every dollar of the app, amen, hallelujah, all the way. It's the best thing. Yeah. I, I think that, that sometimes when... If we don't have those constraints, then our money sort of functions like you blow up a balloon and just let it go. You don't know where it's going to end up. And that's kind of how, how I was for 
literally all of my 20s. It was just like, I would get to the end of the month and be like, oh my God, what just happened, right? Um, I made all this money, I still, uh, now I'm trying to figure out how do I pay my mortgage still. Um, and it's because I just let the balloon go and it just went everywhere. Um, that's not real freedom. Real freedom requires those constraints. I think about my five-year-old. When you think about freedom, you think about doing whatever you want, whenever you want, right? But imagine if I let my five-year-old do whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted. Is that freedom? No, that's the opposite of freedom. She's going to, she's going to get hurt. She's going to throw tantrums. If she wants to throw something across the room because she gets mad because I'm not going to let her watch Peppa Pig, <laughs> then is that real freedom? No, real freedom requires a particular kind of discipline. And, and so creating, you know, whether it's a, a budget or, or finding intentional ways to give and, and spend our money um, with thought, those constraints that we build up, I think, yeah, that requires the discipline that most of us have, we just choose not to exercise it. But if we do exercise it, that's when we experience real freedom. Thanks for your question, Tom. Thank you, guys. Good to see you again. <laughs> we'll go over to the, the minimalism mic here. Howdy, what's guys. your name? Where are you from? My name is Andrew, and I'm actually from Virginia, but I just moved here to Nashville in uh, October. And um, Welcome to Tennessee. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've been loving it, by the way. It's great. You know, Ryan uh, was born in, in Tennessee. I didn't oh, know I was that. born in Knoxville. You were? Wow. Yeah. You I, uh, yeah, we lived in uh, Sevierville, which is like right outside of Pigeon for Forge, Gatlinburg. Man, that place oh, does not look the same from when I was five. <laughs> well, is Silver Dollar City still there? <laughs> <laughs> I want to prefix this by just saying thank you to you, Josh, and you, Ryan, because I swear to God, from day one, I've had a brother, uh, my brother Jonathan, who I love very much, right? My parents love. We, I've had a really good support system, but from day one, because of until I didn't realize it until recently, society, I had put so much pressure on myself to compare myself to him, right? He's a licensed psychologist with a VA, and you know he realized he wanted to do that when he was 18 years old. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, my parents come to me and they're like, well, you know, we're going to help you through college, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, um... Uh, and how old were you in the uh, Computers. Uh, I was like 16, 17, whatever. Yeah. 18. Hey, you're 16. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So I jumped right into it, and then, you know, I didn't really like sitting in an office, so I actually got the degree from them, and I said, well, I'm going to get into dentistry, because, you know, that's a lot of money. I swear to God, I looked at, I think you said that in the beginning of your podcast, you, you said you looked at a, a list of uh, careers that you wanted to go down, and it was finance, was high, and I was like, oh, well, look, dentistry is at the top, so let me do yeah. dentistry. So I, I picked that, and I went back to school for biology, and I got my biology degree, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't. I'm not feeling like the passion for it. So I ran into your uh, documentary on minimalism uh, sitting in a lab uh, after I moved here um, about a month or two months, three months, maybe something like that, I don't know, ago. And I watched it and I was like, wow. And it really changed my life. And I thought, like, you know what? I'm not going to live for things or, you know, salary caps. I'm going to do what I want to do. So I started doing it. And this leads to my question. Uh, I moved out here in October because, you know, my brother's out here, my parents are out here. 
And I started just getting rid of my stuff because I'm like, look, here's my opportunity. I'm just going to look at my stuff. This is before I even watched your documentary. I said, I'm going to get rid of this stuff. You know, I'm going to pack everything in my car, mainly because I didn't want to pay for it, you all. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, I'm just going to put everything in there. I'm going to move out. I thought, wow, like I could go wherever I want in the world with everything I own in my car. That feels great. So I just, I guess out of happenstance, I ran into your documentary, I watched it and I thought, holy smokes, this is like a whole thing I have never even thought about and got into it. So I've just getting, gotten really into minimalism. I've been watching your podcast. I tweet you guys all the time, you know. And, um, Thanks for the support, man. People, oh, of course. You have a question, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the question. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, 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 so the question is this. So I've, you, actually, I've, actually, I've actually gotten really into it. And people are saying, why are you so happy? My brother, you know, who's got all this stuff, and his wife, who's got all this stuff, who I thought should be where they want to be, are like, what's going on with you? Like, why are you feeling so free? Why are you feeling so happy? And they said, well, I, you know, I, I tell them about minimalism, and they say, I don't have a good answer for it. They just say, oh, I get it. You know, I told them to watch the documentary. And they say, well, just get rid of all your stuff. That's what minimalism is about, right? And I'm like, mm, no. So my, my question is this. What is the cliff note version for you guys when somebody asks you what, what, what is minimalism about? They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. What's the hour. magic answer, Josh? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so okay, my, my, my pithy answer to, to that question tends to be, Minimalism is the thing that gets us past the things so we can make room for life's most important things, which actually aren't yeah. things at all. And uh, there it is. Did you write that down? I will write that down. Yeah, I'll listen we, to we, the podcast. We, we call that a, a quadruple entendre. Um, <laughs> here's the, the funny thing about all of this is we have people who come up to us at events or, or they'll, they'll reach out to us via email. And one of the, the things people will, will tell me is like, I remember the time I could fit all of the, my possessions. Like I was getting ready to go off to college that fit all in my car, my Jeep. And then I just drove off to college and it was the happiest time of my life. But now I own all this stuff and I wish I could get back to that. And I just say, well, have you thought about getting rid of that stuff? <laughs> Because that's how you get back to it, right? Yeah. However, that doesn't mean it translates to everyone, right? Yeah. The things that are appropriate for my life may not be appropriate for yours. I wish there was a magic list. I wish I could pull out a piece of paper from my pocket that said, well, here are the hundred items you should own if you want to be happy. <laughs> I mean, that would sound really good for like some sort of you know, GQ magazine article or something. But... The things that I really enjoy, the things that add value to my life, that amplify my life, that enhance my experience of life, those work for me. In fact, they work for me right now at age 37. When I first stumbled across minimalism, I didn't have a kid. I didn't have my partner, Rebecca, and I was a single guy. I'd just had gotten out of a marriage, and so my life looked appreciably different from what it looks like now. And so... Ultimately, minimalism allows me to continue to question the things I hold on to, let go of them if I'm not getting value from, my, from, from those things, and also bring new things into my life more intentionally. Because if I'm not intentional about the things I bring into my life, then I'll just end up exactly where I was before, amassing hordes of useless things that get in the way of a more meaningful life. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm thinking like when I first started talking about minimalism, like uh, my mom called me up and she's like, hey, what's this minimalist crap? Like she must have been <laughs> Googling my name and like it was like the first month we had launched the site and I hadn't told anyone, so she must have been like looking me up. And uh, I remember explaining to her that minimalism was a lifestyle that was going to help me change my priorities. And uh, to even condense that more, I would say minimalism for me, uh, it, it is freedom for me. And to say that, I mean, it, it, minimalism is freedom. I mean, that sounds really good, right? <laughs> but you got to show it. And, and, and that is really what it comes down to with, I don't know where he went, but, his, but your brother, you have to show him how minimalism is freedom uh, for you. So with my mom, actually with a, with a lot of my relatives and, 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 and friends, um, it, I think the worst, and man, I hope he's not listening to this, but my uncle, <laughs> if, if you are listening to this, I love you, uncle, you know it. But, uh, but he gave me probably the most crap for the longest period of time. And when I say for the longest period of time, Josh and I, we uh, started the website December 2010. He came up to me last October, October of 2017. So almost seven years later, he, he came up to me and I was just like expecting him to come up to me and be like, you still a minimalist? You got a snowboard, you're not a minimalist. He, you, <laughs> you got a mountain bike, that ain't minimalist. And he really talks like that because a horse fell on his chest when he was a teenager. <laughs> so it, it collapsed the lung. So he really does have this really, really, <laughs> really strange voice. So I was, I was expecting him to come up to me and, you know, give me some kind of crap for, uh, did you fly here on a, pain, a plane? You're not a minimalist. But he came up to me and he's like, Ryan. <laughs> He's like, no, seriously, he was like, I'm so proud of you, man. He was like, you know what, it, 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 I have really seen how not only you've changed your life, but how other people are reacting to what you're doing. And he's like, now I see what you're doing. He's like, now I understand what you're, what you're doing with this minimalist thing. And he's like, I cannot be more proud of you. And it took seven years of me living the example of not telling him to just F off every time that he was giving me you know, a line. Um, it took a lot of patience. It took a lot of me... Uh, going out of my way to support him uh, whenever I had the opportunity to. Um, not to say that I didn't distance myself a little bit, because I can only get, you know, trolled so much before I start to get angry. But, 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 uh, but I, I, I went out of my way. I did not, you know, judge him. I didn't, I didn't make fun of his possessions. I never, you know, snapped back at him. Um, seven years it took. I don't think it's going to take seven years for your brother to see how minimalism is helping your life. Um, but uh, it, it might take some time because, again, you can't just say a magic bullet sentence or a magic line that's going to make someone automatically understand why minimalism is freedom. Let's go, let's go back to the money microphone. We'll do a few, a few more money questions here. Um, and Actually, we'll do one more money question, then we'll go into lightning round. Don't worry. We're going to get every... How many people do we have here right now in line? We got three of you here. We have... How many are in this line? You're all in line? Oh, good luck. We're going to be here all night. <laughs> we'll do our best. To, so, so we have how many in this line here? Three? Okay, three. We'll definitely, we'll do the, let's do these money questions here, and then we'll do our best to get to as many of these minimalism questions as we can. We'll, we'll get through them. Uh, but whoever's here now, we'll just stay with that group and not add any more people because, yeah, because we're minimalists. Don't worry, we got plenty of time right now. 
I just know how long-winded I am. What's your name, brother? Uh, where are you from? What's up, man? My name's Dustin Dixon. I'm from Orlando, Florida, but I just moved to Tennessee um, a month ago. What's your question, Dustin? Uh, well, first, I want to say thank you guys for your parenting uh, podcast recently because my parents just came in from when I moved and they saw how much stuff I owned and they mm. roasted me. So thank you guys. That helped me uh, get through it. But my question is, uh, my girlfriend and I live together and we have separate incomes. And I was kind of curious if you had any good advice about um, differentiating with separate incomes, uh, groceries, date night between just going out to get food when you're together and other important things. And still being able to manage your money and have a healthy relationship. And not kill each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rachel? In the process of it all. In the process of it all. <laughs> so when you're not legally married, you keep everything separate. Okay. So do not combine accounts. And I even go as far as to say, don't even like, if you start paying off debt, don't put your money towards her paying off her debts. Don't let her pay off your debt. Keep everything separate. Because what ends up happening is if the breakup happens, hopefully it doesn't, hopefully you guys get married and wedding bells, all the above. But uh, I've talked to so many people who they combine their finances before they're married, the breakup happens, and they spent tens of thousands of dollars helping this person that now is not even in their life, right? So keeping it separate, 100%. However you guys choose to split the bills, whatever, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, your, your prerogative. Um, but money-wise, keeping it separate. And then, even through engagement, and then once you get married, then you combine accounts. You, you know, as soon as you say, I do, you can just combine those accounts, right? You become one in every aspect at that point. So that's what I always encourage people because you have to know though going into this that money is the leading cause of divorce in America today. So it is a huge pain point for people in marriage. People that disagree with money, what ends up happening is that they disagree with their values, their goals, their fears, their dreams, all of that. And so, uh, so I would say in the season of you guys hopefully progressing towards marriage, to say, okay, we're gonna have these conversations and get on the same page about, hey, when we do get married one day, these are gonna be our shared values and our shared goals and getting on the same page early. And I tell that to any couple that's dating, to say you have to be aware that, obviously not on the first date, you're not gonna ask like tax records and stuff of them, right? Like you're normal. Um, but as the relationship progresses, so should those conversations for sure. So keep that in the back of your mind that it's a huge pain point for people. And so don't uh, ignore it by any means. Embrace those conversations for sure. Yeah, I mean, Mariah and I, like, we, we will sit down and do the budget together. And it's, it's awesome, like, being able to talk with her what our plans are for the month. And it, again, it gives us things to look forward to. But getting on the same page and supporting one another, that's, that's really the key step, is making sure that you both are heading in the same direction. Awesome. That's your question. Sweet, thank you. All right, Ryan, you know what time it is? It's time for the Minimalist Lightning Round, where we answer questions from social media. So everyone, get out your cell phones. I'm, I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just ignore us and start scrolling through Twitter. Uh, no, we usually answer questions from social media. We're at The Minimalists on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram if you want to ask us questions over there. But today, since y'all are here, so let me explain to Rachel how this works. Uh, we usually have a week to prepare a really nice, pithy answer. It's 140 characters we give to people. You know, that, that Jessica, wherever she is, she can, she can tweet it. Jessica, you're around here somewhere? Somewhere? Oh. She's, oh. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jessica Lynn Williams, hiding in the back. She's the woman behind the curtain. She live tweets from all of our events, and she makes our social media look pretty, and her main job is to tolerate me most of the time. 
Um, and uh, so what we'll really do is we'll get their question, we'll just ramble on a bit, and then eventually we'll find something that's pithy enough that we could maybe tweet at the end of this. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? Hi, I'm Christina. Hey, Christina. I'm here with my sister, Savannah, and we're both from just north of Nashville. We grew up around here. Wow, well, thank um, you for being here. Thanks. We're excited. Thank you guys for being here. I've seen you and your dad several times. This is the first live event with you guys. My question is actually a combination of both. Um, in our family, we have a tendency to overthink and worry about a lot of things. So we're in the process of paying down a lot of debt. And at the same time, we've realized a lot of our stress comes from the fact that we have too much stuff. So we're doing our best to get rid of a lot of stuff. So, you know, following Dave Ramsey and, and y'all's side, you know, we're selling as much as we can, but we tend to obsess. And then it gets to the point where we get so stressed out trying to sell stuff that we just shut down and we're like, we don't know what to do. And you just give it all away. So I guess our question is, how do you kind of balance wanting to get rid of everything and, and calming down life to really being hardcore, selling stuff, paying off, working extra hard? You know, because both of us are moms, you know, um, we have jobs, I own my own business. So to do too much overwhelms us, you know, to, to get to that financially stable point. But then to do nothing, you know, is obviously not really great. So how do you kind of find a nice balance to both get, you know, push to get to that financially stable point, but also not completely stress yourself out with the amount of stuff that you're doing in the process? Sure. I would say when you're in the process of getting out of debt, the deeper you sacrifice, the faster the progress is going to happen. And so the more you say, and it's just a season. And you have kids, you say you're a mom too? Yes. Okay, so the mom guilt is a real thing. And so it comes in in these seasons where you're like, okay, if I'm going to work overtime, that means I'm not putting my kids to bed at night, right? Um, and so a lot of that plays into the emotions. And so I want you to know that this is for a season. You're not going to be doing this for the next 20 years. You might be doing this for the next nine months. And that might be it, right? Or the next 12 months. But it's not going to be your life. And so for a short period of time, the more you can sacrifice the more progress you're going to see. And so that would be one encouragement. And yeah, if you walk into your home and you're like, I don't even know where to start. And then you just start shutting down and you just end up on a ball on the floor, right? Because you're like panicked. <laughs> um, just, start, just start somewhere. Just taking that next step. And I find that with a lot of people. When a lot of people start out starting to manage their money well and they haven't looked at bills, they haven't looked at their income statement, they have no idea anything about their financial life. It is so overwhelming. But I always say, take that first step. And it's amazing when you start just even writing things down. Like maybe you say, okay, this week we're going to sell three things. And you just write it on a sheet of paper and you just leave it. And that's it. And that's all you have to focus on. Because again, if it's this black hole of stuff that you're like, I don't even know where to begin, it's going to be tough to get started. So find a couple of things at first. And then as you start doing it, whether it's Craigslist or eBay, and you guys are probably pros at like how to get rid of everything, but like, um, <laughs> but really like, you know how to do it. So, but like it, in the sense that, yeah, you, um, you're going to start to see, okay, you're going to get comfortable with the process because it's not new anymore. You've already done it. And then suddenly you're like, okay, we can sell five things next week. We can sell 10 things, right? And you can start upping that. But it's just because it's new is what's frightening. But the, when you do it once, you're going to get your feet under you. You're going to say, okay, I understand how the process works. She, she actually started with her tweetable answer. I'm sure Jess got that about the more you sacrifice, the, the, quicker, you, yeah, the quicker you I will tried. get. That, so so that, that's beautiful. I, I, could, I can't tell you what you should do, what your specific parameters are, but I could tell you without boundaries, you'll get nowhere. And, and, and what I mean by that is um, I had to put some boundaries on my, the things I was going to sell because I was also overwhelmed. The average American household has more than 300,000 items in it. That's average. So like, that's not a hoarder's house. That's just like everyone's house has a bunch of stuff in it. 
And that's not me going around counting other people's things. That's the Los Angeles Times. Um, and so I, what I can tell you is for me, because I, I was both trying to simplify my life and get out of debt at the same time, uh, I put a number on it. it was, mine was a relatively low number. If I could sell something for $20 or more, I would sell it. If it was less than $20, I found a way to get rid of it right away. And so um, I recommend a few things. One is, is everything you own fits in one of three piles. Guaranteed it fits in one of three piles. It's essential. It's those four, the four walls that you talked about. You know, it's sort of something you truly need in your life, right? Most of us need food, shelter, clothing, etc. right? And so we have these essentials. Then we have the non-essentials in our life. That's the second bucket. Those are things that don't, we don't necessarily need, but they add value to our lives. They enhance our lives. They make life a little bit better, right? Um, ideally, that's the, that, 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 those are the things that most of us should own the most of, the things that enhance our life, that make life better. The third category, however, is what most of us own. That's junk. <laughs> and we pretend it adds value to our lives. It has a theoretical value. There's a ton of aspirational value in these things. You bought that outfit because it looked really good on the mannequin, but then in your closet, every time you've tried it on, you're like, ah, maybe next time. <laughs> and so it just sits there in the, the walk-in closet full of clothes you don't enjoy wearing. It's junk. It doesn't mean someone else can't get value from it. In fact, they can, and they will if you let go of it. So if you can get 20 bucks for it, I say sell it. If you can't get 20 bucks for it, I say get rid of it really quickly. Get it out of the way because it's overwhelming to you. And then set a parameter. If you can't get rid of it this week or this month, for me it was 30 days. So you can get really aggressive and say this week. For me, if I couldn't get rid of it in 30 days, uh, sell it, then I would either lower the price to as low as I could, 20 bucks, or I would just get rid of it, right? Now that's even for a big electronic thing. You know, if it's a... Uh, a TV that I thought was worth $1,000, but no TVs are actually worth $1,000. That just happens to be what I paid for it. Maybe I can get rid of this damn thing for $20, get it out of my life, and make some money to pay down the debts. But that'll get the things out of my life. It'll allow you to bring in some money, and uh, it'll allow you to stop you know, this, this sort of psychological torture that you're putting yourself through. Yeah. I would, I would say, like, when it comes to selling this stuff, this used to drive me crazy because of the... Blackberry that I had that was worth $500 when I first got it and somehow I you know I want to get $500 back out of that thing when I know I never will So when it comes to letting stuff go, you've got to get really comfortable with with two words and, and that is sunk cost like You really have to understand that a lot of this stuff uh, You're not gonna get what, what you originally paid for in fact You might not get anything for it and that's okay because when you become comfortable when I became comfortable with sunk cost it was so much easier for me to you know, take something that has been sitting on Craigslist for $20 that's been sitting there for you know, a month or so. I can look at that and say, you know what? Probably not going to get anything out of that. That is a sunk cost I have to let go of. The other thing, too, I'll say is when you're doing this, you can overdo anything. You can overdo minimalism. You can overdo budgeting. I, I think really what it comes down to is do not forsake your values and beliefs. And now I know that there are some compromises. There might be some late nights where maybe you're coming home a little bit later than you would like to to spend with your kids. But there is a balance between some sacrifices and killing puppies. I mean, there, there, is, there is a middle ground. Well, we haven't got to that yet, so. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that's an extreme example, but, but I mean, that is obviously something none of us in this room would ever do if that, if that was getting us out of debt 
you know, uh, in the next six months, none of us don't would kill take, a puppy. Yeah, yeah, none of us would do that, right? So, really, my short answer is: is don't kill puppies. <laughs> Thank you. All three of you guys are a blessing to a lot of people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, do we have any more money questions here? All right, we got no. All right, sweet. Well, I, th I think we'll move over to the other microphone here in a second. Uh, actually, let's do this now because we got one more lightning round question. Let's do this. All right, howdy. What's your name? Hi, my name is Vanessa. I'm from Vanessa. Chicago. So. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks. Um, I'm here with my aunt, and um, we're huge Dave Ramsey fans. Um, I just want to thank you, Rachel. Like your books. Thank you. Such an We're huge Dave Ramsey fans too. Also yes. huge Rachel fans. Yes. Um, <laughs> I like them a lot. Yeah. Um, and actually I got into minimalism because of Dave Ramsey and I just feel like they complement each other very well. Totally. And um, my aunt did her debt-free scream today. So that's, yeah. So Where is she? Yes. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> that is awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So I just want um, to know what you guys would tell people who think that it's almost impossible to get out of debt. It's girl's microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I'll answer oh. it too. <laughs> I was looking at you because I'm like, Rachel, what? I can take it. I can how, take how could it. we? <laughs> I don't want to take your microphone. Go for, no, okay, go okay, for okay, it. Go okay, for okay. it. Um, I would say, oh, and I'm going to butcher the quotes, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And so when you're in a state of hopelessness, which is what a lot of people are when they answer that question, um, and it's really sad to me because when it comes to money, there's a lot of hopelessness uh, in this subject for people because they're living paycheck to paycheck. They're doing the best they can. Um, it's just, it just doesn't keep working what they're doing. And so you have to stop doing what you've been doing to get something different. And so if you stay in this cycle of, just living credit card bill to credit card bill. You know, student loan, Sally Mae is just my BFF and she's gonna be with me for the next 20 years, so I'll just pay the minimum payment, right? If you stay in this cycle, then that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna keep getting that same result. And that's what I think AA says is that if you keep doing the same thing, or no, is it? Insanity, right? If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different result, that's the definition of insanity. And so, um, so you have to do something different. But doing something different and changing is so hard for us. It's so hard because we're so comfortable like when we're doing something even that's wrong. Like my husband and I, we were driving and I was like, babe, get off this exit. He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, you can eat out. This is what Google Maps is saying. He's like, it's fine. It's fine. I was like, you're going the wrong way. He's like, I don't care. Like, this is fine, right? I mean, it's just like, like it's so hard to change. It's the way I've been always going. And so, so you just have to say, I have to change. But change is so hard. But if you want a different result, it's what you have to do. And that's why we say, too, getting out of debt, we do the, uh, the debt snowball where you list all your debts, smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate, and you pay minimum payments on everything, and you attack the smallest debt first. And what that does is it inserts hope. Because even if it's a $300 you know, Macy's card, if you think you can never do it, but you see that one card that you haven't seen in you know, four years, and you're late on it and all of that, but you're like, okay, hey, I'm going to just write a check and pay it off, and it's paid off, it's like, oh, wow, I can do this. This is possible. And then you start working that way. And so we have found that um, personal finance, it's about 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. We know what to do. We just have to change our behavior, the bulk of it. And that's why listing it smallest to largest. So, um, so I would say that's it. I mean, hope is the number one thing. You have to have hope that, that things are going to be different and your actions have to emulate that. Yeah, I, I think it's... 
and congrats to you. Yeah, that is, yeah, congratulations again. That is awesome. When it comes to getting ourselves out of debt and being 100% debt free, it sounds really scary. It sounds really hard. And it is. It's scary. And it's really, really hard. It takes a lot of hard work. I guess if I was, like, my short answer would be, to get out of debt, one must accept that it's not easy, it takes a lot of hard work, and you must have a plan. And those are three very important things to accept and, and, and to also have. If you come up with a plan and you work that plan, there's, the Ramsey team has got some amazing plans out there that, you can, that anyone out there can totally mimic these plans, and they work. But you do have to work the plan. But accepting, because that's a lot of the time, for me, I know it's, it's accepting uh, that's something that I really want to accomplish that's really big, that it isn't going to come easy. And once I can get past that feeling of, of, of uh, shying away from the hard work and I can kind of lean into it, that's where you start to get the momentum and, and you start to build more hope. My, my partner and I were walking across this bridge. We're going to the Gulch. Is that a place? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were looking for mediocre food and we found it. <laughs> Um, no, I won't point out the restaurant. It's not, it's not Nashville, obviously. You eat the food here. It's freaking fantastic at the city winery. Um, but uh, but um, we were walking, and I'm looking at my phone. We're supposed to turn left on the street, and like we're just having a conversation, walking down the street today. And it was very similar to the exit ramp thing, but we, were, but we just weren't paying attention. And we walked way too far, missed our turn, because we were just having a good time, enjoying each other. And all of a sudden, I looked, I'm like, hold on, let me check the phone. Like, I, I don't see the street. And my first inclination, when I saw it, like, we, we definitely passed it, like, half a mile ago, easy, maybe a mile ago. We've just been walking. And my first inclination was like, well, maybe if we keep going, <laughs> then we'll get where we want to go. And then thankfully, Bex was there, and she's like, hey, we have to turn around. And like... To me, that's the best device because what happens is we get in this system. Ryan talked about having a plan, but we often in our lives set up the system and we just keep going with that system. And even when it's not working and it's getting us farther from where we want to be, this is what I've always done, so I'm going to keep going. And so sometimes the best thing to do is just, just turn around. Thanks for your question. Thank you, guys. All right, one second here. Um, if you're listening to this at home and you have a question for the minimalists or you have a comment about anything that we're talking about today, you can give us a call, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And it's my favorite part of the show, including the end of this show. We are our listeners' comments and tips. We just pick out some favorite comments and tips. And then in future weeks, Ryan and I just reappropriate those and pretend they're our answers. <laughs> uh, but um, we make this podcast 100% advertisement-free, which means it's 100% listener-supported. So what we tend to do every week is we do a postscript episode at the end of our podcast. And uh, it's actually, it comes out the day after our normal podcast. You can listen to it in our pod, in your, whatever podcast player you, you, you use to listen to podcasts. Um, and it's only for our Patreon supporters. So if you want to support us, help keep the podcast 100% advertisement-free, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. Now would be a good time to insert a line about 
to hear this week's excerpt from our Postscript episode, tune in now or whatever we do. It's not about giving back to us. It's about paying it forward to, to someone else. Uh, there are a lot of people who have inspired me, whether it's someone like, like Rachel or, or Dave Ramsey or authors who are, aren't even alive right now who I've gotten immense value from, from their work, as opposed to me trying to, I mean, I couldn't possibly, what am I going to do, say, uh, hey, Dave Ramsey, here's a, here's a $400 check for you because you really <laughs> helped me out. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, and so instead what I try to do when I get value from other people is I try to pay it forward to other people. And, and that means if, if there's someone you can help, if it's it, it, just one person, if you're helping solve other people's problems, then that's how you, how you pay it forward. I want to move on to a segment we call Right Here, Right Now, which is where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We're doing this backwards. We, we'll get to added value in a moment. Um, but we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. I opened up this talking about 100% of the profits from tonight's event, actually from this entire Simply Southern tour. Um, thanks to, to, the, to Dave Ramsey's team, the Ramsey Solutions team, you all provided the talent to allow us to go on the road between Rachel and Anthony and, uh, and Chris coming on the road with us. We're able to raise a lot of money. Ryan and I are also donated $20,000 of our own money and we're leaning on our audience to help. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, it's really people like you are going to make it happen. I mean, it's awesome that Josh and I can give some money, but you guys really are what make it happen. So yeah, and this is actually you. the part where I lean on the audience. If you're listening to this at home, or if you all have any extra money you want to donate, you can go to theminimalists.com slash Dayton. We're going to open up a grocery store in one of the largest food deserts in the country, and, and thanks to you all for, for making that happen. We're really grateful. Also, right here, right now, we're working on a whole lot more short-form video creations, so stay tuned to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash The Minimalists. Uh, thanks to Jordan. He, he's going to be uh, filming all kinds of stuff. He's been filming us on the road. We're doing a video version of the podcast, as you can see, as we're filming all of this, including the, the crazy song and everything else that just happened uh, tonight. Um, and so we're going to be doing more video essays, living room conversations. In fact, we recorded a living room conversation backstage with, uh, with Rachel just uh, moments ago. And so uh, stay tuned to our YouTube channel for a, a lot more meaningful, in-depth um, well, creations, not content. Um, and uh, let's move on to right here, right now. So we, I'm sorry, added value segment. What's been adding value to your life recently, Ryan? So many things. Uh, did you hear that song by Austin? That was pretty good. <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah, God, that was that was incredible. Um, every dollar I've already I already talked about that. If you don't have a budget, if you have money problems, and you don't have a budget, stop talking about your money problems until you come up with a budget. I, I'm just I'm just giving it to you straight. And every dollar is a great budgeting tool. Um, of course, uh, love your life, not theirs, uh, by Rachel Cruz. It is an amazing book. God, just so much awesome philosophy in there about not just comparing yourself to the Joneses, but how to use social media, how to budget, how to talk to your partner about it. I mean, just a, a very, very uh, awesome book on finances. And then some local stuff, man, uh, of course, like Barista Parlor, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Crema, you guys go to Crema at all? Crema's awesome. Crema is the first coffee shop that Josh and I went to when uh, we did our very first tour 
um, what was that, 2011? Yeah, 2011, 2012, yeah. So uh, it was the first coffee shop uh, we went to when I was on tour when I was like, oh, like, this is what coffee can be. And it really, like, Crema has a lot of, uh, a lot of influence on, well, I mean, now Josh and I, we, we have a coffee shop, and, and it was because of experiences like what they create um, that really helped me love coffee. So if you haven't been to Crema and you like coffee, I'm sure everyone here is like, why are you talking about Crema? We know about Crema. But if you listen to us at home <laughs> and you're visiting Nashville. Go to Crema. It is freaking awesome. Yes, indeed. Uh, I would encourage you to check out uh, Rachel Cruz's new show. It's, it has a very complicated title. It's called The Rachel Cruz Show. <laughs> Uh, it's easy to remember, and I'm grateful. And, and we're going to be on an episode. Uh, we're going to film one later this week. I don't know exactly when it'll be out, but you can check it out on, on her YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com slash Rachel Cruz. You can find all the information over there. And um, one other thing that's added value to my life, we've been doing this short tour. This is our ninth tour in eight years. Um, thanks. Uh, we, we, did, uh, we did 50 cities last year, and I said, hey, why don't we do three cities this year? <laughs> And so we came to the South in the summer, because that's what you do in the summer. <laughs> and um, I asked our favorite musician to open up for us. And I mean, I, uh, Paul, Canyon City, his, his album that came out last year called Constellation is absolutely my, my favorite album of 2017. Every song is meaningful. It's beautifully written. And I could talk about it all day, but it wouldn't do it justice. So I'd like to bring him out here to play my favorite song from that album. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much, Josh. And, uh, guys, so I... I, know, I, knew, I, knew I knew you were going to have to retune that. Sorry, dude. <laughs> oh, no. But, no, please, tell, tell everyone how awesome Josh and I are while you're tuning. Go ahead. Well, see that? Wait, that did you bring the list so, I printed out for you? The, this is funny because this is, this is kind of full circle. So our uh, relationship sort of started here in a way. Yeah. Uh, and that I, in the alley I out back. I, what's that? <laughs> no, so, uh, not like. Well, you know, take it how you want to. But uh, so I put out uh, put out that record, and and Josh uh, was so kind to to tweet about it, and uh, I responded, and he uh, he's like, hey man, well we're gonna be in Nashville uh, if you want a ticket, and. My friends and I had legitimately, like a month before any of this happened, already bought uh, tickets to the show here, uh, and so uh, it was really this. Uh, for me, my my uh, friendship with these guys really started as uh, just fandom uh, of what they were doing, and then uh, had the very good fortune of getting to to hang out with them and get to know them a bit more and do some of these shows together. And uh, let me tell you, these guys absolutely practice what they preach and they're also just w some of the best people that you'll you'll run into so it, it's really uh i i can i can wholeheartedly i i really uh get behind what they're saying i think it ripples into the world i think it ripples into the universe but also they're just like fantastic human beings so uh they they deserve every every bit of uh Man, josh he read everything on that list that was some good work paul no i was i was telling rachel earlier i'm like when so, like, for example, with Rachel or with Paul, uh, Josh and I have looked up to both of these people for so long. Role models. I mean, I, I, seriously, like, I want to be Paul when I, I want to be that good at guitar when I grow up. Um, 
<laughs> I want to be that good of a writer. It's it's such a it's such a um it's just such a weird thing when you meet someone you look up to and then they look up to you back. It's it's very it makes it's just really interesting. We're just complimenting each other, you know, twenty four seven. Not to like much. take your stage, Paul, but but that's I mean, seriously, I was telling them backstage. I don't even share it here. Is I was flipping through Netflix randomly, probably a year and a half ago, and I saw the the minimalist documentary. I was like, oh, I've kind of heard about this. I'll watch it. I watched it. I came into work the next day. We were having a content meeting, and I just started like ranting. I mean, ranting. I was like, this documentary last night was so good. We have so much crap in our lives, you guys. And we're at the business and getting people out of debt. I mean, I was like so hardcore. They were like taking notes. Like, okay, okay. I was like, we got to get them on the show. If we do it, it took a little while. And then we got connected and they said yes. Like the middleist said yes. I was like, oh my gosh, they did. So I was like a fan of them. And then they asked me to do this. So it is, it's like a total, a total circle thing. Yeah, so awesome. we appreciate you guys from us. Well, from us well, well. I appreciate you guys letting yeah. me fly around in your private jet on this. Uh, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> hey, one more round of applause for Austin. Wasn't that kid great? So, so Paul, this song you're about to sing is like, um, every time I hear it, like I turn it on, it reminds me of home and I don't know why because you're not from Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> um, you're from the Midwest originally, but live here in Nashville now. But like, um, I don't know, the, the, the words that you use don't describe the feelings that, that I have, but the way that you sing it does. So this is a song called Find You. Oh, thank you so much, Josh. I'm not going to follow up that. I'm just going to play it. Get a room. Lately we've been trying to read through the lines. Bars between us, a single room holding two lives. I had this dream and I couldn't reach through the fire. I prayed for downpours, rain and lightning to strike down all I had. All storm and the shelter and all feeling you're not alone I'll keep everything nothing oh let's leave the city and life behind us all steel moonlight to guide through is all these minutes slow down all I want now is to find you Lately we've been staring demons in the eye Made a habit of looking past all the white lies I'll just be honest, is it ever been Come on, watch this frame forever Go on and on and on Then blow by and all be The leaves at your window And all be 
coming home I'll keep everything, nothing Oh, let's leave the city and life behind us I'll steal the moonlight to God through his all these minutes slow down All I want now is to find you again to find you again And I'll keep time watching stars by the moon heartbeat It stops as it shines on you I'll keep everything and nothing And all that's leave the city and life behind us I'll steal Moonlight to guide through all these minutes slow down. All I want now is to find you again. Thank you so much. Thank you to the minimalists. Thank you to Rachel. Canyon City. I'll give you a hug backstage. <laughs> All right, y'all, before we, before we wrap this up, um, I just want to thank you for being here tonight. I won't ever take this for granted. I, Ryan and I started doing this almost eight years ago, and we went on our first tour seven years ago, and it was just me and, and Ryan and his Toyota Corolla, the same one that he has today. <laughs> And, uh, and, and we would go from city to city with a trunk full of books, and sometimes two people would show up. In Knoxville, actually, our fourth city, two people showed up. Actually, no one showed up, and we waited around 15 minutes, and as we were leaving the coffee shop that we were having our tour stop in, um, we didn't even tell them we were showing up, by the way. We just announced it on our website. And we were leaving, and... Two people walked in and they said, hey, you're the minimalist, right? And, yes, we are. <laughs> and so it was really like a one-on-one -on -one session we had for a couple hours. But I learned so much from, from these events. And there were nights, like, if we didn't sell enough books on the road, then we just slept in Ryan's car. Or if we got lucky, we slept on the floor of a reader's you know, house or something. And uh, to be able to come out to do an event like this where we, you all pay and that money goes somewhere meaningful and we have this meaningful experience together. I feel like we get to exchange something that we don't get to exchange by just you know, getting into a podcast studio. That stuff's great. Writing books is phenomenal. I love doing it, doing a blog, doing all the stuff we get to do, but this is special. And I'm really grateful you decided to spend this evening with all of us. I also want to acknowledge... Rachel, I, I think what you and your team are doing is so important. You're adding value to, to so many people's lives. And um, you, you're making the world a better place, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you so you guys, much. Thank, thank you. you very much. Ditto to you guys. You're awesome. Thank you. And I want to thank Ryan. Whoa. Dude, we're trying to close it out here.
Are you finished? <laughs> I want to thank Ryan for having great hair. Oh, keep going. <laughs> oh, man. What about City Winery? Let's thank yeah. them for being here tonight. Woo. All right, y'all. If you leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks, y'all. Nashville, thank you. Hi Minimalists, this is Martin from Estonia and I have a comment on the City Podcast. I want to introduce a website called teleport.org which people can use to find cities that suit their personal preferences. So basically you just enter your budget and your wishes about uh, housing, living costs, job market, Travel connectivity, traffic, healthcare, pollution, tax tolerance, outdoors, literally everything is there. And they will show you a list of cities all over the world that you might consider checking out. Greetings, Josh and Ryan from New Brunswick, Canada. Listening to your parents' podcast, a quotation came to mind that I thought you and the listeners would enjoy is, your biological family is not necessarily your logical family. Just thought that would uh, help the listeners. Take care. Hey, Josh and Ryan. This is Ethan from Denver, Colorado. I just want to send a message um, that I think a lot of us who are on our journeys of self-improvement and, and minimalism are putting a little bit too much pressure on ourselves to get it right, to get down to the right amount of stuff or to get to that point where we finally feel like we've done enough. Um, I just think that a lot of the times it comes, it just comes down to slowing down and taking a deep breath and, and being able to just say, you know what? Uh, this is good enough <laughs> for right now. Um, I've reached a point that is good enough. I am good enough. My life is good enough. And sometimes it's recognizing that even though minimalism is an endless journey of um, self-improvement, part of that is taking the time to just say, you know what, I'm proud of myself for the work I've done. And I can relax and stop, uh, keep trying to put so much pressure on myself to, to be the perfect minimalist or to, to get get everything right. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you 
got a grand boy, I bet that you'll be fine without it. So tell your 